Hi, welcome to Ha'igaret, or The Message, a unique journal of original and plagiarized Jewish thought in the merit of my grandfather, Benjamin Ari Ben Leah, for a Rufu Shlema, a complete healing for Esther Batsipura, and for peace in Israel. In last week's Parsha, we discussed a census taken of the Jewish people. As we discussed, it wasn't a census of everyone. It was a census of men ages 20 to 50 from every tribe except for the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Levi, the Levites. Yes, one group of the Levites were explained in last week's Parsha at the very end, but the final two groups are detailed here in Parshat Naso. So this week we are counting the Leviim. Some of the Leviim, the Levites from the tribe of Levi, who are direct descendants of Aaron, Aaron, are known as Kohanim, priests. But all of the Leviim have the distinct honor of serving some way in the tabernacle, the Mishkan, or being general teachers of Torah for the Jewish people. But why are they being counted separately? Because they're special, that's why. We have a few different explanations, that with their special privileges that they have, they deserve to be counted separately. Or that Hashem knew that B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, would make some mistakes that kept them from entering the land later, as we are soon to learn about. But Hashem wanted to make sure that the Levim were not included in the excluded group. Because, of course, they did not participate in the golden calf, the Chet Egel debacle. And also that the Levim have their specific tasks of caring for the Mishkan, the tabernacle. So they wouldn't need to be counted in a census that was for the purpose of assessing how many soldiers we had which is why we said it wasn't necessary for women and children to be counted. It was a census done for the purpose of military planning. Like making a good stir fry, you can't just throw everything into the pan and hope for the best. You have to fry everything separately and then combined. To be honest, I literally just learned that tip. I still have not made a satisfactory restaurant grade stir fry, but that does not stop me from trying and sharing my tips. So like a stir fry, everyone was fried, everyone, everyone was counted separately. So yes, we have the 12 tribes, the 12 Shvatim, within the entire Bnei Israel, but even within the Leviim, within the Levites, there are three further groups. Within the Leviim, we have Bnei Gershoni, the Gershonites, Bnei Merari, the Merarites, and Bnei Kehati, the Kehatites. What is the difference, you ask? Here we go. Bnei Kehati had the most lofty service. They were tasked with transporting the Ark of the Covenant, the Aron Habrit, which, as a reminder, was this crazy golden-covered wooden chest that contained the two tablets of the Ten Commandments the Aserat Hadib wrote within it. They were also tasked with carrying the sacred vessels present in the sanctuary, the menorah for light, the table for the showbread, and the incense altar for incense offerings. Even just the Ark must have been super, super heavy with tons of gold, etc., but the work of B'nai Kehati wasn't back-breaking labor. It was more spiritual. Our sages note in the Talmud that the Ark wasn't a heavy object, but that the, quote, Ark would carry its bearers. The Ark existed in both our physical world and in the spiritual world, which I guess means that it weighed half of what it actually did. Unclear, but that's, uh, that's my hypothesis. We also learn that the Leviim had the responsibility to serve as teachers, conveying Jewish teachings to the whole Jewish people. So when we learn that B'nai Kehati transmitted the Ark physically, they also transmitted its essence too, through sharing Jewish teachings. Now to B'nai Merari. They actually were the back-breaking laborers. They carried the boards and the basic parts of the physical structure of the tabernacle. If B'nai Kehati were the lofty group, B'nai Merari were the more tangible, accessible group. 
between these two is B'nai Gershoni. If the spiritual stuff is covered by B'nai Kehati and the manual stuff is with B'nai Merari, then what does B'nai Gershoni do? Everything in between. Collecting things, folding things, winding up ropes, etc. Not to trivialize this, but what B'nai Kehati does, it reminds me of the things that you leave till the last minute when you're hosting a dinner party. The stuff that definitely still needs to be done, but isn't like your cooking or your planned icebreakers, conversation topics. Just me? Okay. Anyway, those are the things that B'nai Gershoni did. But like being a middle child, sometimes it doesn't feel so good to be sandwiched between two others. So B'nai Gershoni has the honor of starting this Parsha. I think we all identify with these three groups at different points throughout our lives. I think this is a Will Rogers quote, but my dad says it all the time. Everybody is ignorant only on different subjects. For example, I have an unnecessary amount of knowledge about Broadway. When at Broadway Trivia Night, I'm like a member of B'nai Kehati. But take that brain power and place me in a chess tournament, I am quickly a member of B'nai Mirari. It's not like B'nai Mirari are such lowly people either. They're still levying with special jobs. But for the purpose of my comparisons, they will be the bottom rung on this ladder of analogy. We're big fishes in small ponds, and then we're small fishes in big ponds. But mostly, I think we go through life feeling like B'nai Gershoni, in-betweeners. I was speaking with a friend this week who was harassed in his southern high school for being Jewish. He then went to a university with a huge Jewish population. In high school, he was too Jewish, but in college, he didn't feel Jewish enough. Classic case of the B'nai Gershonis. A note. In my humble opinion, there is no such thing as being quote-unquote Jewish enough. There is no such thing as being a bad Jew. The Lubavitcher Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson of Chabad, never liked to use the word Kiruv when referring to his Jewish outreach programs. Kiruv comes from the Hebrew word mitkarev, meaning to come closer or to come near. This refers to bringing Jews back to observance. But as the Rebbe said, who is to say that a person is close or far from God? We are all children of God, and there is not one way or right way to be close to God. Speaking of the Rebbe, in the Tanya, written by the founder of Chabad, Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi, there is a similar but not totally the same three-level hierarchy. I've spoken about this before, but here we go again. There's the tzaddik, a righteous person who has an evil inclination, a yetzer hara, but submerges it easily. There's the rasha, a bad person with an evil inclination, yetzer hara, that they do not overcome. And then there's the benoni, literally the in-betweener. The person who has worked hard to get to a stable point in their spiritual life, but who still struggles with overcoming their Yetzirah, their evil inclination. Like B'nai Gershoni, we can sometimes feel like we're neither here nor there, an in-betweener. B'nai Gershoni suffers because they have lofty aspirations, they have, they have good thoughts, but due to their station, they cannot actualize them. Do you ever feel like this, like there's so much potential within you, but you feel like you're being kept from it? Good news, while there will always be obstacles in our lives, there's no hierarchy that keeps you from actualizing your goals, like B'nai Gershoni had. As they say, we are our own worst enemies, yada yada, we are our own obstacles, whatever. It's hard accomplishing your dreams or fulfilling your potential. I hear you. Just know that I believe in you, and I think you can do anything you want to. A steep climb makes the peak even more stunning. So this feeling of in-betweenerness, I think Jews outside of Israel generally feel this. They probably feel it pretty acutely, but a disclaimer, 
in-betweener syndrome isn't even close to running to the bomb shelter because Hamas is firing rockets on Israel that actual Israelis feel. So just, just putting that out there. But diaspora Jews don't feel like they're fully American or fully English or fully Canadian, etc. But they also don't feel fully Israeli because they're not. We're too ethnic for our home countries, but too Western for Israel. This honestly applies to anyone who has an origin that differs from their current location. Muslims, Buddhists, Sikhs, Hindus, Catholics, Protestants, everyone is a minority somewhere. We are all ignorant outsiders at some place in the world. And as Evan Hansen from the Tony Award-winning musical Dear Evan Hansen would say, you are not alone. I'm going to include the link for the Dear Evan Hansen movie musical trailer here. In theaters everywhere September 24th, two days after my birthday, you know exactly where to find me. Thank God things in Israel seem to have calmed down, and Israel has announced a ceasefire that was set to begin earlier this evening. But the effects of this past 11 days will be felt for a long time. There are no words for the anti-Semitism that we have seen this past week and a half. We can say it's atrocious, we can say it's terrifying, we can say it's unfounded, but that still doesn't encapsulate the reality. Anti-Semitic crimes apparently have increased 438% during this period. I'm going to attach more information here about the anti-Semitic acts that have happened in the wake of the fighting in Israel. And not that you need them, but I'm just going to give some five fast facts just, just to hear again, okay? The first one is, Jews are indigenous to the land of Israel. You can neither colonize nor steal land that you are indigenous to. Number two, Palestinians are not being ethnically cleansed from Israel. Israel is 20% Muslim. The Palestinian population has steadily risen since 1948. Three, Jews, however, were ethnically cleansed from the Middle East, and this is the only time that such a phrase is relevant to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Four, the death tolls in Gaza are higher than the death tolls in Israel for one reason. Israel defends its civilians, and Hamas exploits theirs. As Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Conricus of the IDF Spokespersons Unit has said, he said, somebody on Twitter said, the Palestinians don't have an Iron Dome. I say, yes, they do have an Iron Dome. It's called, don't fire rockets at Israel, and we won't fire anything at Gaza. The Iron Dome is Israel's defense system that intercepts rockets. And number five, your voice matters. I'm going to include a link to lobby your congressional representatives here, and also a link to rallies happening in cities across America. Whew. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sending so much love wherever you are, however you feel about me, however you feel about Israel. Everyone deserves respect. But I believe in you, whether you are B'nai Kehati, whether you are B'nai Mirari, whether you are B'nai Gershoni, whatever you want to do, I believe you can do it. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next week.